In just a few minutes, we're going we're to look in the Word, talk a little bit about Abraham. And uh, Abraham learned to trust God. And uh, he learned it when there wasn't a lot of other evidence around that he could refer to. And he still trusted God. We have a, we have a cloud of witnesses that have gone before us. We have lots of opportunities and lots of things that we can look at that will help us to trust the Lord. I like to sing. I like to sing this song this morning. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus.
confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that you have raised him from the dead, your word says that we are saved. We are on our way to heaven. We acknowledge that today. And we worship the King of Kings. He is the King of Kings. He, it is not something that he will be in the future. He is the King of Kings now. And he is the Lord of Lords now. And he deserves our worship and our praise. And we thank you for the time that we've had together today to lift up his name and to glorify him. And we ask you, Lord, now that if you would help us to worship again as we give of our tithes and offerings, you bless us, you give us good gifts. Every good and every perfect gift comes from you. And out of our abundance, and yes, even sometimes out of our needs, Lord, we give to you because of your great and precious promise that you will meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. And amen. Let's just pray. Father, thank you for bringing us together today. We thank you that you are here among us because you said that we're two or three gather in your name. There you are in our midst. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being here. We ask that you would guide us, direct us, teach us in your word and in the principles of your word so that we may indeed live by them. In Jesus' name, amen. Still getting a little ring. There is, um, there's not a PowerPoint today as, as, that I've prepared. Um, Tim may be able to put some of the verses up on the screen, but um, for the most part, you may need to follow in your Bibles or whatever he is, he's able to do. We've been in the book of Romans, and we are still in the book of Romans today, and we're going to be in chapter 4. And as I said from the very beginning, this is not a, this study in the book of Romans is not one of those where you just simply go verse by verse and, 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 and try to, you know, uh, get every, ring every possible thing that you can get out of it. Um, I don't know that that works extremely well. Um, because I believe every time you read the word, you get something new and different out of it. Um, and so, um, but we're here in Romans chapter 4 today. We're going to be talking about the faith of Abraham and, and, how it, and how it pertains to us. Okay? Now, in order for us to do that, we're going to have to look at the life of Abraham a little bit. But I want, to rem I want us to remember where we were uh, two weeks ago. And uh, by the way, I, um, I want to thank, uh, and I will thank her um, this week, I want to thank uh, Chaplain Burke for coming in and filling in for, uh, for me last week. Um, it was kind of a, a, a late notice thing for her, and uh, she graciously 
accepted and, and was able to come and fill in and, and bring the word. And I know that she brought a good word. So, uh, but just to remind you of uh, where we were, uh, in Romans chapter 3, last, the last time, two weeks ago, uh, we talked about, in verse 21, but now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Then over in verse 27, where then is the boasting? It is excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but that, on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles too? Yes, of the Gentiles too, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. Then in chapter 4, which in the writing of this, there would not have been a division there, so the thought process continues. What shall we say then that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. Now, if you will, please um, mark yourself in, in Romans there in chapter 4 and turn with me back to... Uh, to the book of Genesis, to Genesis chapter 12. And in Genesis chapter 12, we find the calling of Abraham. Abraham is called of God. Now, Abraham's, Abraham's father, they were living in the Ur of the Chaldeans. And they decided to move from the Ur of the Chaldeans and move to Canaan. Okay? Now, I believe that that was God's, that God put that urging on Abraham's father to move to Canaan. But when they stopped at a town called Haran, the Bible says that they decided to live there. And as a matter of fact, that's where Abraham's father died. But when Abraham was about 75 years old, God spoke to him. Now, it's interesting if you... When Abraham was born, I did a little, I did a little math in there. When Abraham was born, Noah was still alive. Okay, I don't know if Noah was still, I didn't bother to check when Noah was still alive when God spoke to Abraham, but you can imagine some of the talk. I mean, it was, it was a couple of hundred years now, and Noah lived 350 years after the flood. The Bible says that. He lived 350 years after the flood. So you can imagine that in Noah's mind, that even though it's been 350 years, you know, there's a lot of talk about the flood. There's a lot of oral, tr oral tradition that's handed down. There's a lot of things that are, that are uh, and, that's, and that's the way it was done. There's a lot of things that have been said about the flood. There's the stories of the flood have been handed down. About how Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Of all the, of all the people that were alive and living in that day, you know, and God was displeased with them and was decided to destroy them. But there was this man, Noah, and his family. And the Bible says, and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Okay. So now, Abraham, Abram, not Abraham, Abram is living in Haran and... Uh, God speaks to him. Now, and the Bible doesn't tell us how God spoke to him, 
But he said, but it just simply says, the Lord's The Lord had said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. And then he says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out from the, for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. God speaks to Abraham again. And in verse 7, he says, The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, there's a famine, and Abraham goes to Egypt. And we're not going to talk about all of the things that happened uh, between verses, before, between the, that part of chapter 12 and where God appears to Abraham again, to Abram, again in chapter 15. In chapter 15, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. God speaks to Abram in a vision. And he says this to him. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Now, something happened in Abraham's spirit, in Abraham's heart. Some Thing happened inside Abraham. And the Bible says in verse 6, Abram believed God. Okay? Abraham believed the Lord. In other words, there was, there was something that he was struggling with up until that time. And you can see in the beginning of this passage where he is talking to God and he's saying, Lord, you're telling me this. You know, you, you told me you were going to give me this, this land. This, is, this land is going to be mine or my descendants. You know, Now you're telling me that you're going to make me a great nation and you're going to, you're going to do all this, but I don't have any children. And, and one of my servants from Damascus is going to be my heir. He's the one who's going to get everything that I have because I have no other heir to leave it to. And, and God takes him outside and shows him the stars in the heavens and says, I want you to look up in the heavens and I want you to see the stars and count them if you possibly can. Now, I imagine that out in the middle of nowhere where there is no artificial light and there is just complete darkness and maybe there was no moon that night, that God allowed Abraham to see the, just the incredible amount of, of stars so that he could get a picture of how many descendants he was going to have. He said, if you, could, if you can count, and, and of course, He couldn't count them, and he he couldn't even... See, God was speaking from... God, he was speaking from heaven. And God knew 
exactly how many stars he had created. He was only showing Abraham, Abram a portion of those stars because many of those stars can't be seen by the naked eye. So he was only, he was only showing him a portion, but he was promising him are you hearing this? He was promising him from God's vantage point, not from Abram's vantage point. He was promising Abraham that he would have descendants according to the number of stars that God had created, not the stars that Abraham could see. I like that. I like the promises from God's vantage point, not from mine. And so, <clears throat> something happened when Abraham looked up into the sky and saw the stars, <clears throat> and he, something happened in, in his heart, and the Bible says, Abraham believed the Lord. There was something that clicked, and he just, I believe that. And God, because of who he is, immediately knew that Abraham had changed from a heart of unbelief to a heart of belief. And the Bible says, and he credited to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God, believed what he said, and he, God, credited to him as righteousness. Okay? Now, he also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of, the Ur, out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. You see, back when he first had his Abram's father go from Ur and they stopped at Haran, he was getting him out of there and then he called him out of Haran and said, I want you to come to Canaan. And then he gave him all of Canaan, said, this is your land. He says this, he goes, uh, to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. And, we, and we've read this, we've studied this, we've shown that God performed a blood covenant with Abram uh, to the point where he was, he was promising him and he was showing him this is this is proof that I am going to do uh, what I say that I am going to do. And so, then later on, okay, in verse 17, we come to verse, or chapter 17, excuse me. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell, down, fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will know you will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you are now an alien I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be their God. Then God said to Abram, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. And this is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you must be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision and be the sign of the covenant. Okay? Now, I want to, I want to just skip a little bit and come down um, Verse 15, God said to Abraham, as for your wife Sarah, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. 
Abram fell, Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abram said to, the, to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. And he goes on. The promise that God made to Abraham was that Sarah would give birth. Okay, now I want you to, we have to see this. Let's go back to Romans chapter 4. Here's the, here's the, the story of Abraham. Abraham believed God and God credited it to him as righteousness. That's the key. We have a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now listen to the rest of this passage of Scripture in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 1 again. What then shall we say that Abraham our forefather discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by words, works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it before he was circumcised? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. He received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith, while he was still uncircumcised. Listen, when God said, I'm going to make a great nation of you, and he took Abram out under the stars and said, here you are, look, all these, these, are your, these are how many your descendants are going to be. Abraham believed God, and the Bible says it was credited to him as righteousness. Was Abraham circumcised at that time? No, he was not. It was only later when God said, I'm going, to, I'm going to make a covenant with you. And God did make a covenant with him. He made a covenant with him when, he, when Abraham brought the animals. And, they, and God walked through those animals and made a covenant. But later on, God comes to him and says, listen, I'm gonna, I want you to wear the sign of the covenant in your flesh. I want there to be a reminder to you and to all your descendants that I have made this promise. And he said, in order to do that, in order for you to be able to remember my promise and remember the covenant, now I'm going to institute the rite of circumcision so that every, so that every male in, your, in the whole nation as many of your descendants as there are, will have this physical sign in their flesh that I've made a covenant with you that is an everlasting covenant. Folks, I, you know what? We're in, a, we're in a day to, right now, we're in a culture right now, we are in a, in a political arena right now where if you, if you listen carefully, there, there is little to be made of this promise in the eyes of man. Okay? <laughs> I, 
Folks, I got to tell you, I don't know how much land the rest of the world is going to demand that Israel give back to other people to whom it does not belong. Okay? The nation, the land of the nation of Israel does not belong to anyone other than the Jewish people. Hello, are you hearing me? The land of Israel does not belong to anyone other than the Jewish people. Now, there are other people that have something to say about that. And, and even in our own country, from a political standpoint, they continue to make demands on Israel and want them to give land away as acts of peace and in order to have peace and there still is no peace in the Middle East and there will not be but I'm going to tell you something all the land in Israel is going back to the Jewish people it's all going back to them because God Almighty made a promise and he said all this land belongs to you it is a covenant forever it is an everlasting covenant i'm going to see to it that that's what's going to happen and folks it belongs to them and there can be a lot of little things that go on and you know and a lot of people saying things and doing things but i'm going to tell you god is moving this thing back to where it is supposed to go and of course there's going to be fallout from that we all know that there are wars and rumors of wars Jesus said these things must come. They must come. Jesus said they must come, but that's not the end. All right. My point here is this. Abraham's faith. Abraham's faith was such that he believed God even when there was no evidence that, that God was going to do what he, what he said he was going to do. So listen to what he says. In verse 13 of, of, of Romans chapter 4, it was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. In other words, there was no law at the time when God said to Abraham, here's the promise I'm going to make you. The first promise is I'm going to make you a great nation. Second promise is I'm going to give you this land. Third promise is you're, you and your wife Sarah, yes, you're 100 years old. Yes, she's 90 years old. Yes, you are going to bear a son. He is the child of promise. It is from him that the nation of Israel comes from. It is from him that the everlasting covenant comes from. Now, granted, in the middle of all of this, Abraham in some ways, Abraham still doesn't have this all figured out. He still thinks his body is dead. He's convinced his wife's body is dead. Okay? And in and through all of that, he, he literally laughs and he goes, how, am I, how is that going to happen? How in the world is that going to happen? But God had made a promise, and God's promise... And then Abraham even says to God, well, God, can't you, can't you just bless, you know, can't you just bless the world and have all that happen through Ishmael? And God says, Ishmael, Ishmael will be blessed. Ishmael will be the father of, of uh, you know, he'll have, 12, he'll have 12 sons and there will be many, many people that will come from Ishmael. That, that, that I will grant you that. But he's not the child of promise. He's not. See, Abraham, you did that on your own. You did that by natural means. You did that 
Because your body wasn't dead. And neither was Hagar's body dead. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to perform something that is incredible and a 90-year-old woman and a 100-year-old man are going to have a baby. And that child is the child of promise. That's the one I'm going to make the great nations out of. That's the one kings and saviors are going to come from. And so... It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be the heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who live by law are heirs, faith has no value and the promise is worthless. Because law brings wrath and where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. Now, I'm not an offspring of Abraham. And, and neither are you, if, unless you're Jewish. And, and I know that we have some folks in here that are offspring of Abraham. I understand that. But I'm not an offspring of Abraham in the sense that I'm, that I'm a, a Jewish person. I'm not. I'm a Gentile. But listen to what? I'm included in this. Okay? He says, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls those things that are not as though they were. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Folks, that's what, that, that one verse of the song that we sang, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. Just to take him at his word. Okay? Just to know, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. You see, <clears throat> that's why, that's why later on in, in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says, Without faith, it is impossible. It is impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. <clears throat> you understand that? Without faith, it is impossible possible to please God if because here's what here's what faith is faith is believing what God said it is simply taking God at his word and believing what he said and when we read in the word of God that God said this or God did this or God promises this, 
and we look at our circumstances and we look at our situations and we look at our lives and we look at, we look at the things that we are dealing with and, we, and we, begin, we begin to look at those circumstances, we begin to doubt God. And when we begin to doubt God, we are displeasing Him because we are not exercising faith. We are saying to Him, literally, literally we are saying to Him, I don't believe you. I don't believe what you said. I don't believe what you're saying. I don't believe you. And when we say, I don't believe you, and then we want God to turn around and bless us when we don't believe what he said. And here, here is Abraham who has no no background. He's got nothing to refer to. He doesn't have a book like this. He doesn't have, he doesn't have stories like this, like this book has. He doesn't have stories. Oh, he may have heard about the flood. But he doesn't have stories like this. He doesn't have stories of Daniel and the lines. And he doesn't have stories like David and Goliath. He doesn't have stories like Balaam and his donkey. He doesn't have stories about all of these other miraculous, Hezekiah, and, and all of these other things that, that we now have. The stories of the virgin birth, the resurrection of Jesus. And, we, and people, just, you know, they just go, you know, I, I, I just, I can't believe, I don't believe that. I don't believe it. You can't please God with unbelief. God is greater. God is greater than your situation. He is greater than your circumstance. He is greater and He is able to do all things. Listen. This was written to us. It was credited to Him as righteousness. was written to us. Do you believe... Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross? There are those who say he never, we have people who say he never even lived. I don't know where they get that, but I was reading something on the internet one day, and a guy was writing, he said, man, he never even was born. It's all, a, it's all a hoax. He was never even born, let alone died. Is the, is the concept of the virgin birth a, a problem for you? Not if you have a clear understanding of who God is. Not if you have a clear understanding of the power of God. That God who is able to speak the worlds into existence that he could not speak. I mean, it's just incredible. So, Paul is telling us here that the faith of Abraham, the faith of Abraham in believing God was enough for God to declare him righteous because he believed in him and he believed what he said. So when we later on, when we get in a few chapters, when we get to that part where it says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Why? Because God said so. And our faith and our belief rests in Him. And when we believe in Him, when we believe what He says, He credits it to us as righteousness. And part of that comes from the fact that we read what he says and then we act upon it. You do not act upon something that you don't believe. Hello? You do not act upon something that you don't believe. 
You can say, I believe this and I believe that, but if you don't act upon it, you don't really believe it. Belief requires action. And so what God did with Abraham, Abraham believed. And the Bible said God credited it to him for righteousness. Not after he had done all these other things, but before. And he calls us to be children of Abraham, not Jewish people. He doesn't call me, he doesn't call me to become a Jewish person. And, and, you know, there are Jewish people and there are Gentile people. He calls me to be a, 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 a child of Abraham because of my, the kind of faith that I exercise the same as Abraham did, to believe God and he will credit it to me as righteousness. A righteousness that comes from faith in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for our time in your word. Thank you for the faith of Abraham. Thank you for his example that even in the face of circumstances and, and everything around him that, that pointed to something different, your word says that he believed you and it was credited to him as righteousness. Father, help us today as we, as we face circumstances and things, uh, events in our lives. And Lord, as we just live life, sometimes some of these things seem overwhelming. How, how could we possibly, can this be turned around? And we look in your word and we read your word and we are faced with who you are and your power and your glory and your ability and the promises that you have made and every promise that you made Abraham, your word says, all the promises are of Abraham are yes and amen in Christ. And we hold on to that and we believe, Lord. And as we believe and we trust you, you are faithful to do it. And we thank you. And we pray, Lord, today, we know that you have many things that you, that you are at work doing. And you have graciously allowed us to join you in that work. We didn't start the work, you started the work. You began the work and then you called and said, I would like you to be a part of this. And that's, that was gracious on your part and we thank you. Help us to be faithful. We thank you for the work that you started with e-prison ministry and then you called us and said, would you like to be a part of that? And we, and we do and we, we pray and we give and we, we have people that are a part of that and we just ask for your continued blessing upon that ministry as they go into prisons and share the gospel and lives are being changed, we're a part of each one of those lives. We thank you for Love Serves and for the work that they're doing. Thank you for allowing us to be involved in that. And we thank you, Lord, that there, the work that's being done in Dominican is, is great and souls are being saved and, and because we're a part of that, we're a part of each one of those souls that are saved. Thank you for calling us to be a part of that. We thank you for the work that you began at the Transitional Center, and then you said to, then you said to us, I want you to be a part of that, and then we joined in that as well, and we continue to pray that not a single girl that ever leaves that place will leave without knowing Jesus as your Savior as her Savior, and you continue to answer those prayers, Lord, as more and more girls are coming to know you, and we thank you for that. And you brought missionaries to us. They came into this place, and they told us about what they were going to be doing and where they were going to be going, and, 
and how they sensed your call in their life. And, and then you said to us, I want you to be a part of that. I want you to pray for them. I want you to, I want you to support them. I want you to, I want you to adopt them as, as, as part of your family here. And, and so we did, and, and we continue to pray for Shelly and for Todd and for Chris. And they're in different parts of the world, but they're carrying out the mission of sharing the gospel of the resurrected Christ, and we just thank you. Thank you for asking us to be a part of that. And then, Lord, you, through a series of events, you brought us to the point where we needed to, to have a daycare in this church, and, and there, was, there was a work to be done, and you were already busy doing it, and then you asked us to get involved in it, and we did, and, and you've blessed it, and it's been a, 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 a vital part of our church, and we just thank you for that. We don't know what else you have for us, Lord. We just, we just want to be willing and open servants. Is there more? Is, are there other places that you're at work? Please make them known to us. As you ask us, we will say yes. We will join you in your work. We don't want to start the work and then ask you to join us. That's the wrong way. We want you to start the work and then you ask us to join you. And then it's fruitful and it it's the right process. Thank you, Lord. Take us from this place today. And Lord, help us to, to just be an example of Jesus to whoever we meet. Holy Spirit, live the life of Christ out through each one of us, each and every day, in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you be, just remain seated for a second.